Hey friends, I'm Katie. And I'm Emily. And we're the hosts of Malice and Mocktails, a true crime podcast. We are just two sisters covering cases of both vintage and contemporary true crime. And because true crime can be a bit of a bummer, at the end of every episode, we share with you some of our favorite mocktail recipes. Join us every week, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, make good choices. Bye. Bye. Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. Apparently, I'm Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn. Hello, hello, hello. Or RuPaul. Is that RuPaul? Which one does that? RuPaul does that. Oh, just kidding. Tim Gunn is... Make it work. That's why I just say two hellos. Oh. Because I feel like RuPaul... Yeah, they do do that. Like, trademarks everything. You're right. So I don't want legal coming after me. Listen, RuPaul, I thought I was being Tim Gunn. Please don't come for me. (laughs) Okay. Well. Well. Do we have business today? We don't. We have no business. So. We have no business. We were just talking dogs. We are talking dogs. Yeah. Talking about our dogs. Do you have dogs? Let us know if you have dogs. I have two dogs right now. Alicia has two dogs. Savannah wants a farm of dogs. Listen, I don't want a farm. I just want three. I want one more. I feel like my pack needs to be rounded out. I feel like there's a hole in our family. This is not new information. People who know me know that the minute that we got our second dog... Like a week into having her, I started saying, no, this isn't good enough. We, need, I need another one. <laughs> I love her so much. And I, like I said, I, this is how people end up with so many kids. When we got Maisie, I didn't know that it was possible for me to love another creature as much as I love our first dog. And then okay. I got her and I loved her so much. And I'm like, there's just so much more love in my heart. I need another creature to love. I didn't know it was possible genuinely to love anything as much as I love Cooper. I'm just stuck on the kids part because that's not... <laughs> that is. I, no, but I see that's how... That's not how... Okay, so yes, I had that feeling after yeah. having my first like, and yeah. I got pregnant the second time. Like, I would cry about it. Yeah. Like, how am I going to love them I feel like I'm going to cheat this child. Yeah. It, it was early on, except then I found out it was twins, <laughs> like, just after that. And I, and then it felt even worse. Like, yeah. and there's two of them. How am oh I going to love... Two babies as much as I love this baby. Because the Moody one was kind of a perfect baby. Yeah. She's a handful now. But as a baby, she was an excellent baby. And she was freaking adorable. She was a trick baby. I know that I am biased. No, she she was was freaking adorable. I've seen pictures. She was cute. So I thought there's no way that me and my husband are going to have as beautiful of a kid. Again, that's a fluke. No chance. Oh, like, but then you did, and all I was your convinced, kids are so beautiful. I was convinced that my next babies were coming out like little gremlins because there they was are just gremlins no... in behavior. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that with love. They're awesome gremlins. They're, they're amazing gremlins. You've got great kids. Um, Great teens. They're all teens. But then I had twins, and then I was like, no, I'm good. Oh. So, in any case, I didn't have that. Fa- I didn't want more and more and more kids, but I guess some people. Well, that's because you had three, and that's the perfect number. And I think that three is also the perfect number. <laughs> I 
I deserve that. I, <laughs> you I, walked into I, it. You did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Anyway, it's okay. Um, I love I love my dogs so much. They're my whole world, and I would like more of them, please. But okay. we're not talking about dogs today. You didn't come here to listen to us talk about our we're dogs. We're talking about dogs. A dog today. A dog, for sure. Uh, a dirty dog. A dirty <laughs> dog. <laughs> I couldn't say that out loud. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about perverts. <laughs> One pervert. Anyway, he doesn't. Really, you know, whatever. I'm I mean, gonna we'll listen. Just, I don't want to shame anybody's. I don't either. Like, and anything. It's not about what he was actually doing. It's the it's the quantity. I take that back. I said I don't want to shame anybody's. Oh, anything, I want to shame some people, some things, but yeah. like certain things. Oh, are for just sure. Too far. Yeah. No, I think that's very clear in and how we feel about. Uh, yeah. Okay. Don't touch kids. <laughs> Yes. Um, And by kids, I mean, just because they have hit puberty and look like a young woman or young man does not mean that they are. Stop it. Yeah. Listen, we're just trying to see why. But that's not the case here. That's not at all the case here. We're we're dealing with all adults. We're talking about Grant Amato today. (laughs) (laughs) Just summarize really quick. We're a mess today. Sorry, guys. We're just excited. This is a good case. We have good cases this week. It's fine. We're not a mess. Reframe your mindset. (laughs) We're excited. Yeah. (laughs) She's giving me the weirdest. (laughs) So actually, Alicia found this case, and she told me about it, and I said, I'm stealing that. That's mine. Thank you. I mean, I only told you about it because I felt on the fence about doing it and i I, it's it's more of a you case i love it it's perfect yeah for sure so this case takes place in seminole county florida which is actually a county that i do work in which is kind of cool i was yeah easily able to access all this information i have a login for this so it was easy oh yeah Yeah. doesn't mean that i was able to sort through it any better oh well because sometimes having more information is I agree. This is one of those cases. So we're going to start on January 25th, 2019 at 917. Police responded to a wellness check at 2112 Sultan Circle in Seminole County, Florida. A man named Craig had called a wellness check on one of his employees who didn't show up to work. Craig said that Cody Amato, a nurse anesthetist, had never once missed a day of work. His girlfriend, Sloan, also worked there. And she spoke to police as well, expressing her concern. She said that he had left work early the day before to go home and deal with some family issues and that he had texted her soon after he got to the home, but she hadn't heard from him since then. Oh. Yeah. The police arrive and they find three cars in the driveway. One of them matches the description they were given of Cody's vehicle. Okay. They get no response at the door, so the lead detective decides to make an entrance into the home. They go in the back door, which he does by using a knife to swipe through the deadbolt. Okay. I thought that was fun. I don't know. <laughs> he I mean, that's like something out of a movie. I know. He said, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that's my sound effects. Crime. <laughs> crime. <laughs> I know how to do crime. <laughs> we're laughing, but we're about to stop laughing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. As they entered the home... Um, they saw exactly what they hoped they wouldn't see. Deputy Modesto led the walkthrough of the home where they found three members of the Amato family killed. 
So I'm going to read from the arrest affidavit, which was sworn to by investigator Daniel Arlington, who was at the scene. With no response from the house, Deputy Moder... How did I pronounce that? I'm sorry. His name was Deputy Moderson, not Modesto. I think it auto-corrected in my notes. <laughs> De- Deputy okay. Moderson em- entered the, re- the residence by bypassing a deadbolt with his knife to conduct a well-being check of the residence via the back door. Deputy Moderson observed a white male, later identified as Chad Amato, deceased and lying on his back in the kitchen with large amounts of blood that were incompatible with life. Deputy Moderson then observed another white male, later identified as Cody Amato, deceased in the storage room in a fetal position with blood coming out of his eyes. Deputy Moderson then found a deceased white female, later identified as Margaret Amato, deceased in the office in a chair slumped over a desk with blood covering her face. Uh... Can we back up to Cody for a second? Yeah. Blood coming out of his eyes? Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? And he's in the fetal position? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Gnarly, right? What? 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 Was he? Oh, I'm sure you'll get into, like, how everybody sure, was actually yeah, I will. killed. No? <laughs> yeah. We're not sure? We'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. So the police put two and two together really quickly, and they realized that Grant Amato also lived there and that he was not home. They put out a bolo, or a be on the lookout. Bolo. (laughs) Alert for him and his 1996 Honda sedan. Pretty sure it was like a white Accord. In the meantime, investigator Eva Marie Motiri, most Italian woman I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) All right. Um, she called Cody's girlfriend Sloan back and provided, you know, started talking with her, told her what had happened, and Sloan gave her lots of good context for the family. Most people tell their partners everything. I'm the same way. So it's no shock to me that Sloan knew all about the stress that Cody had been under. But I'm going to keep you in suspense and tell you about the Amato family first. Hmm. Okay. Chad Amato, the father of the family, was a pharmacist, and his wife, Margaret, was an operations manager. Margaret loved working with horses and particularly loved rehabbing abused horses. Margaret had a son named Jason, who was technically a half-sibling to the other brothers, and while we don't get the ins and outs of their dynamic, he does have the Amato last name. Okay. Okay. Chad and Margaret go on to have two more boys, both very close in age, within a year, Irish twins situation. Okay. Cody is older, and then Grant, who was born just after. In high school, Cody and Grant were on the same weightlifting team, and as adults, they were in the same paintball league. They had gone through nursing school together, and they both had the same hobbies. They both loved anime. They took a trip to Japan together, and the two were super close. They had always been really close. Yeah. that I mean, that makes sense when you're that close in age. Mm-hmm. After graduating nursing school... Either during or before grad school. I couldn't figure out if he was working during grad school or if this was before he had started. Grant had decided he wanted to follow in Cody's footsteps and become a nurse anesthetist. So that's what Cody had already done. Or he was finishing up grad school at the time and Cody dis- or, and Grant decided he wanted to do the same thing. Okay. He was working at a hospital when at one point Grant's supervisor found empty bottles of propofol in rooms that he was working in. They called the police, saying that they had a nurse who was showing signs of wanting to commit suicide, because that's what they assumed if they found empty bottles of the drugs that were not supposed to be in patient rooms and had no record of being pulled for those patients, 
then they assumed that he was stealing them for personal use. Yeah. Here is a little snippet from the arrest affidavit for this. So this is the police speaking, and they said, We spoke to Grant Amato and determined he didn't meet Baker Act criteria. During the Baker Act investigation, we discovered Amato, a registered nurse employed by Florida Orlando Hospital, had committed grand theft at the hospital. Eight unordered empty vials of propofol were found in two rooms under Amato's care slash control. The propofol is stored in a pyaxis machine, which requires a thumbprint scan and pin to release the drug. Florida hospital pharmacist checked the pyaxis machine and found that the propofol was stolen from and found on the same day, which was June 19th, 2018. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in this affidavit. Okay, just just so I'm, I just want to add. Yes. We've talked about the Baker Act before. Yes, we have. But for those of you, if you haven't listened to the past episodes where we did, mm-hmm. do you want to tell them what the Baker yeah, Act sure. is? So in the state of Florida, we have what's called the Baker Act. And that is that police officers, fire departments, judges, or doctors, some doctors, not all doctors, can order that a person is a danger to themselves or others and they can be put on a hold where they have to be admitted into a hospital and go through psychiatric evaluation typically used for suicidal people yes um it's a very very difficult process to go through it's not something that you want somebody to ever have to go through Mm -mm. um and yeah it you know it's it's difficult i've known several people who have gone through it it's not fun yeah but that's what they were evaluating him for. They were coming in to see if he was a risk to himself or to others. Yep. And they were like, no, this he's not. He's fine. So. Yeah, I think cops especially are not as quick to make that decision from what I've experienced. Yeah, it's... They don't want to do it unless it's necessary because they know mm-hmm. that the process of it can be traumatic. It so. is, yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So that's the that's the Baker Act. And it's sometimes it's called being 5150 in different places. It just depends on, you know, where you are. Yep. So later in the affidavit, it says at a meeting with blank hospital human resource person, it's redacted, and hospital security, you know, several several people are listed. I'm not going to read all their titles. Yeah. <laughs> um, Amato admitted that he stole the propofol for patient use. According to a letter of apology written to the Florida hospital that was submitted to evidence, Amato stated that he administered the drug to patients who were not being, quote, adequately relaxed by doctor-ordered medication. He said he didn't sell or use the propofol. He only gave it to patients. Amato is suspected of stealing and giving patients unordered propofol for a longer period, and the Florida hospital is conducting an investigation to find out the total amount stolen. So he wasn't doing it to use it himself. He was doing it because he didn't feel like the doctors were ordering enough drugs for his patients, so he stole it and gave it to them anyway. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I feel bad about it. I don't think you should do that. Well, yes, obviously, especially legally speaking, absolutely not. As a former medical assistant, um, you know, I've known some nurses that work with have worked with different doctors mm-hmm. that they they question what the doctor's doing, and the nurses have to deal with yeah. The patient's complaints and, you know, they yeah. see they spend more time with them. So I could see a nurse, leg- 
legitimately feeling like that. Yeah. But understanding that it's not their place to do that. So I think that says a lot about his personality or potential personality disorder. <laughs> yeah, I mean... As so to why he would take it upon himself to do that. Yeah. I mean, he is arrested and he is charged with grand theft, but eventually the charges were dropped. Mm-hmm. There's no indication that he ever killed one of these patients or that that was ever his intention. Yeah. It's not like we're looking at an angel of death situation here. This isn't a nurse trying to kill people. Yeah. It's just not. And in fact, the charges didn't go very far at all because his nursing license was still intact. He was still employable. He could have just let the news die down and gone and gotten a job someplace else kind of thing. Yeah. So. He spent a little bit more time in nurse anesthetist school, but he couldn't keep up and eventually got kicked out. Later, when talking to investigators about Cody's death, Sloan began explaining that she assumed Cody had left work the night before to go not only deal with some family issues, but some issues specifically to do with his brother Grant. She explained that Grant had, quote, gone downhill after being kicked out of nurse anesthetist school and had proceeded to steal $60,000 from Cody, not to mention several guns, and sold them without permission. She said that he had been admitted to a rehab facility back in late December because his family had discovered some more quite troubling news. They had figured out that he had sent nearly $200,000 to a Bulgarian camera model over the last three months. Three months? Three months. My God. Yep. Sir. Yep. This happened so fast. Holy crap. Yeah. Sir. Yeah. You're not even meeting with her in person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So investigators also had contact with the oldest Amato son, Jason. Basically, Jason was Cody's emergency contact, so when they couldn't get a hold of him at work and he didn't show up, they originally called Jason. Jason had been trying to get in touch with Cody and his dad and his mom since early that morning because what had happened was Cody was scheduled to come in and work on a surgery. Yeah. Nurse anesthetist assist anesthesiologist. So he had been supposed to come in for surgery. He didn't show. They called Jason. Jason had been trying to get a hold of everybody, but he was at work. So he was doing as much as he could while he was working. He had a good alibi. He was working the entire time. Everything went down. And he basically explains that he's not super close with his family. He speaks to them like, you know, he sees them in person like three or four times a year. He talks to Cody a little bit more than the rest of them. But he speaks to his mother, Margaret, once a week at the very least. And he, does he live in the same area? He, he lives kind of nearby from what I can guess, but he does not live in the home. Both Cody yeah. and Grant lives yeah. at home with their parents because they had just finished school, but okay. Jason did not. Okay. So he explained his relationship a little bit, that he had just talked with Margaret recently, and that the last time he talked with Margaret, everything was going fine, that Grant was looking for a job, he had no concerns, but when investigators told them that he they had found three unidentified people inside the resident that were deceased and described the cars that were out front. Jason obviously put two and two together and realized that this was his family and that yeah. Grant was not there. 
he immediately began telling them about Grant's relationship with this online cam girl in Bulgaria and that he had been wiring her excessive amounts of money. And he said, well, I don't know, maybe he owes money to her or something. And that the last time that he really knew, you know, that he had gone to rehab and that he was out and that he was looking for jobs. He was also aware of the amounts that was stolen. He, again, corroborated with investigators that he had stolen $150,000 from Chad Amato, and that included taking a $65,000 loan out on their home, and that he knew that he had taken about $50,000 from Cody. Um, We know now that it was a total of about 60 after the guns had been sold and used. Yeah. And so that's all the same information that Sloan is getting. So everything is kind of adding up. When they they put out that bolo, they started looking, and they didn't find him until the next day. But the day after, using tolls and toll footage, they were able to track mm-hmm. him down to a Doubletree hotel where he was picked up by police. He didn't have any direct weapons or blood on him, so they removed his hand- handcuffs and was like, we can't technically detain him because all we have is, like, situ- you know, yeah. circumstantial stuff. But he willingly said, I'll go to the station. I'll come with you. You don't have to detain me. We'll go together. Whatever. They transported him to the station. And while they did that, they looked in his room and they found several credit cards belonging to dead family members. As they start interrogating him, this is one of the worst interrogations I've ever watched. Not because it's graphic, but because the interrogator didn't do a good job. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean... All he did was kind of make Grant more confident in his story. He started off fine. He spent like, I think it was like two hours kind of getting a rapport with Grant. And it took a little bit over an hour and a half before Grant even brought up the call girl in Bulgaria. And her name is Sylvia. He goes by Sylvie. So if you hear me reference Sylvie, that's who we're talking about. Okay. But it took him over an hour to bring up, like, this is obviously the most strenuous thing in the home at the point. You owe them a ton of money. And, like, you don't have a job. Like, obviously, you should have brought that up sooner. But as soon as he started talking about fighting in the home and how things weren't going well, the police started questioning a little bit more. Like, why are you fighting? What's bringing that up? Yeah. And he said that his father was going off the rails and that he had recently bruised his mother's arm and had been throwing food at her and that he and his father were having fights about the fact that Grant hadn't found a job yet. He said the night before that things had gotten worse because he had found out that despite going to rehab, which he kind of briefly touches on, he's like, yeah, I mean, we went, you know, I'm back out now. It was for depression. Like, I'm fine. Um. (laughs) Sir, people don't go to rehab for depression. Yeah, well, that's, you know, just a bad choice of words. But he uh, said that he found out he was still speaking to somebody he wasn't supposed to be speaking to and, and blah, blah, blah. He then explains what a cam girl is and having to watch him explain what a cam girl is to these investigators is really uncomfortable. But he basically says, like, it's an online, it's a virtual girlfriend, like, and then I'm sending her money. And they ask how much she had sent. And he says, well, it's probably like $200,000. And the guy goes, $200,000? Like, he was shocked by the amount. I, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, okay. So I say this with love. Yes. Okay. There's like a part of me that feels really bad for people who get into things like this. Oh, yeah. And get scammed out of money. 
But like, he's not really getting scammed though. And we'll talk. I I have a little blurb about it at the very end of the episode. Well, I just mean scammed in the sense that they lie to themselves. Yes. Like for him to say a webcam girl is his virtual girlfriend. Yeah. Sir. He goes on to tell investigators that it sounds worse than it is because, like, we have a real love connection. Like, we're yeah, really. Like, no, yeah. you're sending her hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay. That's why she's on there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to skip ahead and we'll talk about my little blurb because it doesn't really fit anywhere else. And we're already talking about it. But, like, yeah. I saw one court TV clip where the, the narrator was he like it panned back to him and he said, like, well, I feel bad for the guy. Like, he's being tricked. Like, he thinks he has a real relationship with this person. And I kind of got annoyed because I was like, he's not being tricked. He's paying for a fantasy. He is paying for yes. that to be the case. Yeah. When he I say I feel it. sorry for them, I I mean, I feel sorry for them that they are in such a place yeah. that they convince themselves that that's some sort of real thing. Exactly. Like, he totally believed it. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the dynamic that he had between, like, himself and all these other people, all these other men on this website. It's very strange. And we'll, we'll, yeah, it's very weird. So he tells the investigators that things got really bad that night and that his father had actually kicked him out of the house. And so he said that he packed up his stuff and he ran into Cody on the road on his way out. And he said Cody had been caught up to speed by Margaret and that he had gotten a call to come home early from work. And so Grant tells him everything that happened and Cody tells him that he's going to, quote, take care of it. He's going to solve the problem. Oh, so he's trying to pin this on Cody. Yeah. Oh. So Grant continued to drive around town for a couple hours to clear his head, which he then admits that really what that meant is that he he went to a Publix parking lot and used their Wi-Fi to get online and talk to Sylvie. (laughs) and he did that pretty much through the whole night like and then the next day he um kind of drove near the area of the home and he saw that there was police nearby and a big commotion so he drove to a panera and used their wi-fi to hop on and like google top news stories to see what had come up when they were like well why when you found out what had come up why didn't you go to the house and like say what happened and he was like i didn't really want to know the entire interrogation, he never asks what happened to his family. Uh, Because you already know. Because you already know. He never asks if anybody's okay. He never says anything. When they ask him, well, what do you think happened? He said, well, I think that Cody took care of it. I think Cody killed them. And then they eventually showed him crime scene <laughs> photos, which he responded with like, well, they already blame me for ruining their lives. I might as well be blamed for this, too. Whoa, is you. I know. Poor you. My main concern with the interrogation was that they fully let Grant control the narrative of the story and not in a like give him control so he digs his own grave kind of way, but in a sense that he started building his defense from that interrogation already. Oh. And like was doing it successfully. Oh. Other than the fact that his story didn't add up and the timeline was wrong. Like if they had, you know, you know, he could have done it. And it's crazy to me. What we know now is what we're pretty sure happened. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Yeah. Really annoying. But basically, back when the family found out that he had been stealing money from them collectively. Yeah. 
they tried to brush it under the rug and solve it amongst themselves. Basically, he had stolen his father's entire retirement. He had taken an additional loan out on his parents' retirement property. They had a second property in Tennessee. And so he had forged signatures to take out another loan on that property. And when they found out, his dad was like, I just can't retire now for a while. Because he was almost retiring. He was on his way. So now he has to work a little longer. And he refinanced that home to just kind of get it to go away. And they're thinking that this is a result of, you know, the losing his job, you know, the grand theft charges on top of then he got kicked out of nursing school. They're thinking that this is a one time issue. Let's just solve it and we'll get him, you know, we'll get him away from her and it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that was the first time he's ever done anything like that, then. And from what we know, it kind of is. They were really hopeful that the trip that he and Cody had planned with one of their mutual friends to go to Japan would take his mind off things. They were thinking, you know what? I'll get out of town for a long time. It'll be like a life-changing journey to see this like different culture that is not so individualistic. And maybe he'll see that, the, you know, the, the the needs of the many are greater than the wants of the few. And so they go on this trip. And... Everything was going well. They went with one of their mutual friends, and it was great. It was awesome. Except. Except. That Grant would disappear several times throughout the trip, and they would eventually track him down at internet cafes in Japan, where Mm -hmm. he was using his iPad to talk to Sylvie. Mm -hmm. Then his friend discovered that their card was being declined. And when they looked... Come to find out, they were charges from the CAM website. Cody paid the friend back because you're on an international trip. Like, this is awkward. <laughs> and when they came home, you know, Grant and Chad and Cody were all fighting about this whole situation. Grant packs up his stuff and he heads out. He's like, I'm done with you guys. You're not supportive of me and my love. Your love is causing <laughs> everyone, is is causing you to commit fraud yeah, and yeah. costing your family everything. A quarter of a million dollars. That's insane. Which clearly by the story so far, like these are pretty wealthy people, but still like, you know, it depends on well, what I'm, you're rough, you know, we'll see. Cody is really the only one at this point who has any money left. He wipes them out of everything. Well, yeah. I mean, but if he was... Dad was about to retire. Mom and dad had good jobs mm-hmm. from what you said in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I didn't grow up with money. So if I if somebody in my family was having problems, you know, people mm-hmm. with no money don't say, Well, go take a trip to Japan. <laughs> eh, you, you'll get better. Yeah. You'll, you'll get over Fair it. Enough. Take your mind off things. Just go halfway across the world. And like, no, Fair that enough. doesn't happen. Well, and Cody had paid for his entire trip. It cost him like ten thousand dollars to pay for his whole trip. Yeah, those. Let me tell you, those nurse, th- any anesthetist. That's if you're gonna go into the medical field. Yeah, it's that's, at one point during his interrogation, he mentioned that like, oh yeah, like my brother makes like starting at like one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year. He knew that his brother yeah. had money. Yeah, which is also why he wanted to go to anesthetist school. But you know, so he he packs it's not up for everybody. Yeah. After his after his trip to Japan where he got caught and everything, yeah, he packs up his stuff and he takes off. 
And he goes to live with an aunt in Apopka, which is a couple. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit away. Nothing changes. He sleeps all day. He's up all night talking to Sylvie. And his family knew that he was a flight risk because they realized that he'd taken his passport. So he was, they were worried that he was either going to run away from all his problems or he was going to run directly to Bulgaria and try and find Sylvie. So they started watching the house in shifts so that they would be able to see if he took off. And um, he didn't get that far. He wasn't thinking that far ahead. He was just trying to talk to her. Oh, my gosh. Um, but he was out of his own money. He ran out of it a long time ago. So yeah. he started stealing again. But this time, he was stealing from his aunt. Of course. So when they when the aunt's like, bro, your kid is stealing from me again. <laughs> this isn't okay. The family packs up and they go to his aunt's house and they convince Grant to voluntarily go into that inpatient treatment facility. Um, and they treat him for a rehab facility for depression and addiction. Yeah. It's an internet gambling sex addiction yeah. place. Cody pays out of pocket for this for his brother. It's $15,000. And it was in Fort Lauderdale. While he was inpatient, his father got onto the campsite and wrote to Sylvie, telling her that all of his payments to her were stolen and asked her, please don't accept anything else from this person because he is not coming by this honestly. Yeah. And apparently she responded and was like, yeah, no, I'm not interested anymore. I won't take anything else from him. Like, ew, sicko kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Two weeks into his 30-day stay, Grant checks himself out and comes home because he was voluntary. So, yeah. This family was very upset, but he told them, like, the therapist said it's an isolated incident related to my PTSD from the last, like, year of my life and that I'm fine and I'll be okay. So, his dad takes him out to eat and basically sits down with a two-page handwritten list of rules that he has to follow. It includes, you can't talk to Sylvie. You have to get a day job. We got you off your old phone plan. Your new phone plan that you have to pay for has no data. You cannot use it offline. You have to, and it only has cellular. So you can only use it for texting and calling. Yeah. And so he then told him and watched him go on the campsite and make a post saying that he lied to everybody on this website because apparently he had been telling them that he was a super successful Twitch streamer and that he drove a BMW and that he owned his own home and he had all this money. <laughs> now, <laughs> I don't know how cam sites work. I sh maybe for the sake of journalism <laughs> should have know. looked, but I didn't. Oh, Sorry. I ain't going that deep. <laughs> no, I'm good. So it was kind of a weird thing. I started thinking about this dynamic and the way that he wrote this was like talking to other people and he was like, you guys, like, the people don't get it. They don't understand that I was in love with her. And, like, if you feel the same way, like, watching her talk to other people while I was away was so hard. Don't lie to her. It's not worth it. Like, he was talking to them. Like, he knows, okay, these people also love her the way that I do. But also, she's my girlfriend. And I don't know if there was, like, a wall he was posting on. I don't know how it was set up. So, I'm sorry if I don't have all the answers because I was not looking. Sorry. Very weird. Yeah. So they made him go on and admit that he had lied, basically. Yeah. And they said, if you're caught communicating with her again, that you are immediately kicked out and you either have to go out on your own or you have to join the military. Okay. Okay. 
Now, he agreed, but he wasn't thinking that it was fair because he truly loved Sylvie. And he was like, this isn't just a girl. This is like my girlfriend. No, she's not. But he agreed to the rules because what is, you know, what's he going to do? And that's totally fair. Yeah. Because just because they're your family members doesn't mean they couldn't press charges that yeah. you've stole. 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 <laughs> okay. That you stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from them. Yeah. So. Bruh. I think they were more than generous in oh, they trying totally to were. help. They were way too, almost enabling to a point. Yes. Like it's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So he agreed, but did he really? Because pretty soon he was convincing his mom to let him use her phone to get on Twitter so that he could talk to Sylvie. That didn't really work. Um, so eventually he just logged onto the site and started talking to her there. And she asked him how he was doing, getting out. And then he started, He fil- so he, he took the phone outside and he filmed a video of himself basically begging for her to send a video because he didn't want to pay for it because he felt wrong paying for it. He just didn't <laughs> have any money. If she only sends you videos because you're paying for it, she's not your girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, like, I heard an interview, not an interview, but, like, a phone call from him that got out of when he was in jail talking about, like, those all those pictures of her with no makeup, like, that's what she sends to me, like, the real me. I'm like, you're paying her for those. She doesn't care if she has makeup on or not. If you say, no, I want a picture of the real you, and she's like, yeah, send me $300. And you send her $300, she's going to take a picture with no makeup on. Shit, I'll take a picture of myself with no makeup on for $5. (laughs) Are you kidding? My girl's just trying to get her bag. I just... Uh, Yeah. It's just... I... uh. You know. So, anyway. About two weeks prior to the murders, after getting out of the facility, there's some downtime. Yeah. He gets out in early January. The crimes are committed January 24th. Yep. Um... Grant was at a friend's house when he stole a gun from his friend's closet. Now, this wasn't discovered until after the murders, but it's important that you know it happened two weeks beforehand. Yeah. On the day of the murders, his father comes home and it's figured out that he had been talking to Sylvia again on his mom's phone. Obviously, this starts a big fight. And Margaret was sitting at her computer desk working. During the fight, Grant says that he packed up his car and he left and that he passed Cody on his way in and... That his father had texted Cody to come home and blah, 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 blah. And then Grant left and he had no idea what happened. And then I just went to the Double Tree. Yeah. That I can't afford. No, he went to the Publix to watch Sylvie. Oh, yes, Sylvie. that's right. He went to the Publix. Yeah. But now what we know is that Grant had previously shot his mother and his father. As soon as Cody comes in the door, yes. he shoots Cody. So Cody was shot. Yes, he was shot. But they just didn't see that right away. They just saw that he was bleeding from his eyes. Yeah. Ew. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, one thing about this case is that makes me really, really, really frustrated is that the rest of this is so messy. Like, there's no definitive timeline given ever in court. Yeah. Obviously, he pleads not guilty. So we never really know what exactly went down. Because, like, Margaret was shot at her computer desk at 5 p.m. But Cody didn't come home until, like, 9 or 
So Grant just like hung out with his dead parents. And we don't know what time Chad came home. Like if we do, I don't off the top of my head, but he could have come home any time in between there. We don't know if Chad even knew that he had found out about Sylvie, if there was even a fight about that. Yeah. We have no idea. Maybe he was thinking if he got rid of everybody, he'd get some more money. Life insurance. Well, and we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> it. Well. Well. So after he had killed everybody, Grant arranged a gun next to Cody and a gun in a holster on his father, attempting to make it look like some sort of strange murder, suicide, self-defense. He had a shootout. Yeah, situation. <laughs> Except... It wasn't a gun registered to Cody. Not that, well, not registered isn't the right word. This is Florida, but like. We don't do silly things like that. Registration. Like, what are you talking about? Permits. What? Uh, um, but it wasn't Cody's gun. He had sold all of Cody's guns. Yeah. I don't know whose gun it was, but it wasn't Cody's. Was it the friend's? I don't know. Who he stole? Honestly, stole? honestly, I don't remember <laughs> if it was his friend's gun or if he had gotten rid of that in another time. I don't and know. He has a knack for stealing guns. So he it does. Could be anybody's could gun. Could be anybody's gun. But the way that he had put the holster on his dad was just wrong. Like he had put it, so he'd put it on the side, like it was supposed to be a cross draw. Okay. But he put it on the side, like he's right handed. <laughs> so we put it on the wrong side. Oh. So I, he's either left handed or right handed. Obviously, there's only two options. I don't remember. He could be am- ambidextrous. Okay. Well, what's yeah. that word? Ambidextrous. You're right. But basically what happened but was. chances are. Chances are he's right-handed. So let's say he's right-handed. Yeah. If you want to cross draw, you would have it. On your left on side. On your left side. Yeah. With the holster, with like the handle of the gun pointing out. Yes. He had it on the right side with the holster, with the handle pointing out. So he would have had to like awkwardly <laughs> twist his arm. <laughs> Onto his own side, yeah. pulled the gun out facing himself, which no responsible gun owner will do, and then point the gun. So it was all wrong. It was not in the right spot. Yeah. Well, clearly that's why Cody won the shootout. Yeah. It all makes sense. But Cody clearly looked like he had been begging for his life. Yeah. So. Yeah, so once once he was arrested and they had, you know, a formal charge and everything, and he was arraigned... They put him out on a $350,000 bond, which doesn't seem super high, but this is Florida, whatever, you know? Yeah. Nobody's paying for him to get out. No. So his goal was to get this bond money from his parents' estate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but they were like, no, you're not getting that. No, you know, not kidding. And as I work in probate, and I know a little bit about this kind of situation because I do probate litigation. And I tried really hard to get these probate docs because I was so curious about what they had written in their basically their answer to his like, give me money. But I, they're locked because it's part of the criminal case yeah. as well. But I wanted it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like such a probate nerd. I was. Yeah. But no. what did the judge have to say about that? The judge was like, hell no, MFR. Yeah. <laughs> you stupid. So anyway, his next his next attempt was he contacted three different journalists and media outlets to say like, well, in exchange for my exclusive story, you can pay my bond. <laughs> and they were like, no, no. hard pass. <laughs> I'm gonna 
pass on that because it's pretty obvious that you did it. We can get enough to make a story out of what's happening. Yeah. So um, as I've mentioned several times, this trial is a little bit of a mess. They never sorted out timeline. The crime scene investigators and the forensic team seem to have done a pretty horrible job. They didn't swab things. They didn't check their computers right away. They didn't note or swab any of the illegal marijuana in the house or the grow operation that Chad and Margaret apparently had in their wardrobe. Like What? Yeah. It wasn't in use. They didn't actively have anything growing there, but that's obviously what it was for. The, the most that they did was they found a little bit on the phones and on a computer. Basically, they found a thumb drive that had like 600 pictures of Sylvia that he had clearly put into his computer and taken. They found out that Cody's phone had been unlocked using his fingerprint after he had passed away. Mostly they figured that out because it was the only finger that didn't have blood on it. Ew. And they also saw that after he had gotten into the phone, he tried to change the settings so that the phone wouldn't have a password. And then he was caught trying to log into banking apps to send himself money or to send money to the website or whatever. The trial was absolutely full of them calling these forensics investigators back onto the stand and being like, well, why didn't you do this? And we don't really know what would have been found if you did this. Like, we don't know if this is accurate. We don't know this. Rehash this story for me. Tell me this again. The defense had a real, you know, foothold in this because it was not done well. There was also a major concern after the fact with jury selection. There was one juror who should not have made it through. So basically, this is Florida. This is a death penalty eligible state. Yes. And this case would qualify. So when they started jury selection, they asked members how they would feel about a certain death sentence and how they would feel about sentencing somebody to life in prison. Okay. Standard. One juror stated that she was concerned about how either of these options would be using her tax dollars and the cost to the state. Now, she shouldn't have been allowed to continue because she clearly struggles with the system we have in place and blah, 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 blah. And she's not going to sentence somebody to that. And But she was allowed through anyway. So... The trial goes on. Jason, the only living sibling, testifies. He gives a very tearful testimony. You know, it's it's a trial. It's an interesting one to watch, but at the same time, it's all circumstantial and it's pretty straightforward. Like, yeah. You know, this is there's so much motivation for Cody to do it. I think it would have been hard for anybody to plant any seeds of doubt that weren't overruled by the fact that, like, well, obviously he did it for more money because they found him with a bunch of credit cards and pictures of credit cards of other people, and he had been on the site trying to find stuff the minute he got away. Yeah. So the jury deliberated for about eight hours before coming back with a guilty verdict. Once they started deliberating for sentencing, though, they could not unanimously agree on the death penalty. This means that he gets an automatic life sentence. Right. Okay. He's currently serving that. Of course, with all the messy forensic work and the jury issues, he is appealing. And that's going on right now. And that could truly go one way or the other. Yeah. 
we always do our case updates on our Instagram stories. So once that's finished, we'll have one there. You can look on the highlights tab and our Instagram page to look for updates. But I don't mm-hmm. know when that'll be. Yeah. Um, he was only this only happened in 2020, 19. So it's only been about four years. He's in the process of appealing right now. And the stuff had, for his appeal had started being filed in 2021. So, you know, it's a long process. Yes, it is. But that's the case of Grant Amato and wild i know i yeah i can't believe that he tried to get money from their estates to pay his bond when he's in jail for allegedly killing them i could do nothing i could say nothing but laugh that's uh, yeah that i mean what do you say to that that nothing you can't say anything you're like you're so stupid i don't think you have to be super familiar with probate yeah. to understand why that can't happen mm-hmm Yep. You know, you're arrested for the murders of these people and you're yeah. and you think you're gonna still get the money yeah. in their estates. It's insane. Uh no. Maybe one day I'll have um my attorney come on and talk about the Slayer statute that we have in Florida and how that translates into cases like this, but I yeah. don't feel like I know enough about it to talk about it yeah. right now. Maybe one day I will, but maybe one day. Well, that was great. Any other questions? I know it's messy. <laughs> the timelines are weird. No, but that makes sense. I mean, there's nothing you can do with the timeline when they plead not guilty. Yeah, I just like, get really frustrated that we won't know really what went down. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's too hard to. I don't think so either. I it's mean, just I, weird I guess- that she was killed so much earlier. Yeah, I guess that would be the only thing is if there wasn't a fight and he killed Margaret first Mm -hmm. before, you know, then was it all premeditated or did Margaret say something that pissed him off? It had to have been, though, because he had the gun two weeks earlier and he hadn't sold it. Yeah. You know, you'd think that if he hadn't planned on using the gun, he would have taken it immediately and sold it so he didn't have it anymore. And he had the money. And he wants money all the time. Yeah. So, And somebody said at one point, like, well, why would he kill Margaret? Like, she was the one letting him talk to Sylvie. And they were like, it's because she was there. She was there. Had to kill her to get access to her money. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't even know what to say about, like, the psychology of it because it's addiction and that's its own beast. But this is a type of addiction that I want. That's just so... It's so That's so extreme. Yeah. Though. I mean, I've read up quite a bit on, like, pornography addiction and stuff. That's, like, a whole other... It's delusional. Beast. Yeah. The fact that it was a webcam girl and he thinks that she's his girlfriend. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else... Yeah, other than delusion. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you enjoyed. I did. Yay. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. What emoji should they share? Oh, yes. A little computer. (laughs) A computer. A little computer emoji. If you made it all the way to the end of the episode, computer emoji. Comment that on the Instagram post or on the Facebook post. Yes. Whoop, whoop. Earn your way into our Sunday shout outs. That's always super fun. Yeah. I had a listener DM us the other day and say that they love being included on our on our Sunday shout outs. And that's always fun to hear. Nice. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hello to all our new listeners. And we hope to see you next week. Till next time. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.